0: Hey there, and welcome to the One Church podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Just want to say a special welcome. To Canesham and Bristol and Podsmead joining Gloucester in the room, and of course, we're online. Can we give everybody a special welcome today? (laughs) My name is Simon Jarvis, and my responsibility is to oversee all the one churches in our little network. And what a privilege it is to serve you this morning. I'm going to take you to Scripture, and uh, and I want you to have a look at Matthew chapter 16. If you could turn there. If you haven't got a Bible, don't worry; it'll come on the screen behind me. But if you have got a smartphone, I'm going to be firing out some key scriptures for you today, uh, and I want you to write them down because you're not going to remember them all. all right? And I want you to go home today and remember, like as you remunerate over or remunerate over the uh, the the conversation we're having this morning as you think over the conversation as you remember and have previous thoughts about what happened today later on tonight or during the week uh, you will have some scriptures that you can go ah yeah that was the point that we were talking about on Sunday so Matthew chapter 16 I'm going to be talking about keys today keys it says here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? So this is Jesus talking to his disciples and the first question he's asking is what, what do people say about me? It sounds a little bit insecure isn't it? What, what do people think about me? Is, is everything all right? This is not an insecure moment in Jesus' life. This is Jesus trying to teach a lesson Uh, Because there's a lot of hearsay that's going on around what's happening in Jesus' ministry. So he asks the question, who do people say that I am? And so they're likening him to Old Testament prophets, Elijah. And the other one that came up is Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And and some people even say it's John the Baptist, his his cousin. They're they're confusing him with someone else, who's his, his relative. And then he asked them directly, okay this is what other people say, who do you say I am? Are you going to listen to what everybody else says or do you have a personal revelation? You've been hanging out with me but do you know who I am? Do you know what, you can come to church and you can know all about Jesus And you can say, he's like this, he's like the other, and he's a wonderful chap. And we celebrate little Jesus, baby Jesus, once a year. right? And it's fantastic. But unless you have a personal revelation. Unless you have a personal revelation. And I love Peter, because Peter's always the first to blurt out like if ever there's someone who you know what they're thinking like this is before Facebook like we this is before Facebook and you know people are eating a sausage today like if Peter was on social media he'd be constantly telling everybody exactly what's going on in his head all the time and as soon as Jesus asked that question this wasn't a response from his head this was a response from his heart everybody say heart this is a response that came from deep within inside of him. As Simon Peter answered, he said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. <laughs> <laughs> this is massive. Yeah. The Messiah, the Saviour of the world. And everybody looks at him and says, we We're all thinking it, but you actually said it. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Just pause here for a moment. You cannot think your way to Jesus. You cannot philosophise your way to Jesus. You can't put Jesus on the same level of all religions. It is a revelation of who he is. By his grace and our steps of faith... We reach out and embrace the truth of who Jesus is. It's a revelation. And here's the thing. It's not even a collective revelation. It's a personal revelation. And this is my challenge to you. If you do not know Jesus personally in your life right now. If you do not. This is your opportunity. To reach out and say Jesus I'm reaching out to you today. I reach out to you. I want you to be the Lord. The saviour. Not just of the world, but of me, my life, and my little issues. Would you be interested in that at all? Jesus says, yes, yes. A revelation of who it is is absolutely vital. It all starts with a personal revelation of who Jesus is. And then he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. Changes his name. There you go. That's how it happens and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it yeah. I'll just, I just pause here because sometimes it gets a little bit confusing you are Peter which means little rock and on this rock so some people if you're of a particular persuasion say that Peter is the rock that we're building on and therefore we make him the first pope but I don't think it's Peter that we're building on. It's on this revelation. Yeah. Yeah. See, you- Your life on Jesus if you have a revelation of who Jesus is, because the whole of heaven is now on your side. If you have a revelation of who Jesus is, otherwise it's just a religion. Once you know who Jesus is, there's a revelation, and you can build your life on that rock called Jesus. And on that revelation, you can see an amazing thing happen. You see, on that revelation, what's the next thing that happens? It says, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered the disciples not to tell anybody he was the Messiah. It's like terms and conditions at the end, isn't it? Told you everything, don't tell anyone. You get a little insight, but the big reveal is about to happen later on. Don't want to spoil the book for you but if you go through Matthew you'll find exactly what happens later. (laughs) I will give you the keys of the kingdom. In the summer I went to visit a friend. I hadn't been to his house before, I didn't realise how big his house was but it's, it's worth having friends with big houses. And, uh, and uh, the idea was to go out for a meal and he said, hey, should we take one of the fun cars? I'm like, one of the fun cars? And we took, we walked to the end of his garden and there was a garage and he pulled the doors back and there lined up in front of me were three cars, classic cars. So, the first one is the TR6, that's the one on your top right. Underneath is the E-Type Jag and on the left is the Triumph Stag. And he looked at me He said, which one should we go in? I'm like, I had to wipe my mouth of saliva have we got any petrol heads in the room yeah, yeah we've got you know a few okay a small minority okay then right we'll have to uh, do a little vote all right would you have taken the, the tr6 put a hand up please yep there's uh, one person there that's good all right the e-type jag that's half the room and the uh the triumph stag That we've got one, two, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and you don't really care. (laughs) Um, Now, with the TR6, like, he he jumped into it and he tried to start it, it wouldn't start. And he says, oh, this one's a bit of a bone jangler anyway. (laughs) So it opts us down to two. Now, I've been in an E-Type JAG before. But a classic Triumph Stag is one of my all-time favourite cars. (laughs) Top-down, summer evening, in the car, off we go, driving around the country lanes. And I'm loving it. I had to put my hat backwards so it didn't whip (laughs) off. I have lost a few hats that way in the past, but it was just fantastic. And he said, hey, should we just get fish and chips? I'm like, you cheapskate. Anyway, we got fish and chips. It was great and we just had a good chat and we were catching up. And at the end of fish and chips, he just went, do you want to drive it home? I want to be cheeky. I'm like, "But you mean back to Gloucester? (laughs) What what kind of home do you mean? I I realised very quickly, just back to his home. I'm like... Do I want to drive at home? I would kiss you to drive at home. I didn't say that, but I thought it. I was going, what level would I go to just uh, kissing us as far as I'd have gone? Maybe I shouldn't say these things out loud. At that moment, he threw the keys, and I deftly caught them. I couldn't believe it, open the door, turn the ignition on, I haven't got time to tell you about the whole experience but I tell you what, we drove round those country lanes the long way home, (laughs) fantastic experience, it's one thing, it was great on the way out to the chip shop, I was enjoying that, it was his car the truth is it was still his car on the way home but he'd given me authority he'd given me the authority I'd moved to another level I wasn't just experiencing it. I was in the driving seat of something. I wasn't just thinking about something, dreaming about something. I was in the experience. I was part of the experience. I was in partnership with the owner to facilitate a dream. When God says, I give you authority, you've got to remember three things. It is limited. You do not become God. Number two, it is accountable. You can't just do anything you like. You are bounded by Scripture. That's why the Bible is so important to us. It's like the train track. It's like the gauge of life. Like if it doesn't fit on the train track, you ain't going to go anywhere. Scripture brings boundaries to us and accountability but it's also representative, it's a partnership, it's not my authority, it's his authority that I'm operating in. For example, if I'm driving down the road and a man stands out in front of me and he puts his hand like that, I'll just swerve around him thinking, you're an idiot. If however, he's wearing a blue uniform and the word police on the front, I will stop same man different uniform why because he has an authority when he's doing this it's not his authority he's wearing the uniform of a different authority that causes me to fit into this so therefore it's a representation it's not my authority it is the kingdom of heaven's authority this is very important when you're given the keys they're not your keys They're his keys for you to use in the situation you're in. Make sense? Right, the second thing we need to recognise is this. Almost all keys of authority of the kingdom are primarily used through our mouth. There is some conversation about laying on of hands, for example, but I'm not here to talk about that. I'm talking about, we, in the same way we use a physical key to unlock a door... God says the kingdom, the authority, the keys of the kingdom are primarily used through your mouth. In the same way a key can access a building, the same way the authority of the kingdom comes through the spoken word that comes out. There is power in your words. Absolute power in your words. You can speak life, or you can speak death. When I was a kid, people used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's a load of rubbish. Sticks and stones hurt, so do words. How many times have you and I sat remunerating, thinking over... Thinking over and over, something someone said to you, or you've said to someone else, and either you're going, "I can't believe," and the words are hurting, or you're saying, like I do often, "What did you say that for, you idiot?" Like the words that have uh, given life, or the words that have caused death, cause something inside of us to shrink. When you are shrinking, you are not operating in the kingdom of God. You are not operating in a. Authority. God's authority is one of expansion. When you find yourself shrinking because of words that are spoken over you or words that you regret you've spoken, we need to break out of that because we're meant to be an expansive people, a people of hope, a people of love, a people of joy. And that doesn't happen on the back foot. It happens with an authority on the front foot. Governor B on Radio 2 this week talked very eloquently about his father who passed away recently and he said he never told me he loved me except on his deathbed he said I knew he loved me by the way he acted he said but those words were never there those three words he said I always miss them he said but as he was dying he said son I love you. It was just so powerful. You see, it's one thing to sit in the passenger seat and think, I know I'm loved. It's another thing to get in the driver's seat and know that you know because the words that are spoken over you is a different thing. It creates a different authority. Those words trounced any doubt. Mum. Dad, tell your kids you love them. Now, they might be 50 years old now. Tell them you love them. But I don't, it's not what we do. Well, start doing what you do. Because your words speak life. Husband, tell your wife you love her. Wife, tell your Husband you love her, tell your friends you love them, it, can I be honest with you, it is awkward to start with, because it, it's part of our culture, it's not in our culture to go, hi, um, all right, mate, all Right, what you're having, you're having a pint of coke and a, a pack of crisps and oh by the way mate, I uh, oh, oh, love you, <laughs> <laughs> it's not natural, it doesn't feel right, what? someone's got to change the culture somewhere. <laughs> I have an authority of spoken words. I, let's, let's regain our language and speak love over people. Let's speak hope over people. Let's speak joy over people. We, we find it easier to speak hope and joy. But when it comes to love, we're like, oh, a bit awkward. Come on, let's go over ourselves and speak life into one another. Yeah. All right, it's all right, I've used up all my time already on my intro, so we've got to go fast here. (laughs) All right, see, keys open the doors. I'm going to do this quickly so you can do your research at home. Keys open the door of opportunity. Revelation 3 verse 8 says, I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Uh, In Colossians 4 verse 3 it says, And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. In 2 Corinthians 2 verse 12 it says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. Open door is a metaphor for opportunity. When God gives you a promise or a directive, you can be sure that he has also given you the keys of authority to enter that domain. Uh All right? If he gives you that directive, go forward with the confidence, expecting the keys to work. Uh, the, another door opening opportunity we have is one of captivity. We see the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. That's Luke chapter 4. No power and no door that holds someone captive, whether physical or spiritual, can stand against the keys of heaven. Thirdly, permission. I will give you the keys, authority, we read this earlier in, in Matthew 16. What I'm going to do is take this from the amplified version, which uh, expands it a bit. So I'll give you the keys, authority, of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare lawful on earth, will have already been loosed in heaven. <laughs> Is there something you are allowing right now, and the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on it and saying, That is not my will, and you do not have to give that thing permission to operate? Come on. Come on. It's time we start to speak to ourselves and say, Fear, you have no authority here. Ali and I often talk about these things together uh, just the other day she said I, I woke up feeling a bit sad and we do sometimes and sometimes there's good reason that's alright because we can pray about that sometimes there's no real reason and you're like moping around dragging your knuckle- knuckles on the floor you are alright? yeah I'm just a bit sad yet yeah, why are you sad? don't know but what we're doing is we are transmitting something that's unhealthy. We're speaking out. I'm sad. I'm sad. I just want to tell you something. You have an authority and a permission to either let that sadness stay or you can tell it to go. You have the keys to do this. It's time you speak it out with an authority. Uh, I grew up with this whole idea of binding and loosing, and um, I, my friend told a story recently, and I thought, yeah, that used to be us like walking around the church one night, going, I bind you and I loose you, I bind you and I loose you. I'm like, what is it? Which one's it going to be? But uh, binding and loosing, and binding and loosing, and I knew the spirit and the heart of what we were doing. I'm like, for goodness sake, just open the door. It's cold. I'm freezing. We don't have to go round in this strange chant of binding and loosing. We have authority. If you've got the key, open the door and walk in. It's warmer inside. You don't have to make it weird. I have the authority and I'm going to use this authority right now to move in. Very quickly, let me finish with four takeaway keys that I all want you to take home with you. Number one, prayer. Colossians chapter 4 verse 3 says, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. Pray for us. In Acts chapter 12 Peter was put in prison. So the church started to pray. And they were praying, God, get Peter out of prison. And while he was praying, an angel went to Peter and unlocked the chains he was in. And Peter just walked out of the prison. All the doors opened. And he went to the prayer meeting. He knocked on the door. And the girl went to the door and said, who is it? He says, it's Peter. She went, nah. We've been praying for you. We don't expect the answer yet. (laughs) What are you praying for? We're praying that you would get out of prison. Well, I'm here, aren't I? No, no, don't work like that. Don't work like that. No, no, could you go back? Because we haven't finished praying. It is ridiculous, but it so speaks of how we operate. We pray and think it's some kind of formula. No, we pray. Let's pray with an expectation that this key will open the door and we're going to go through with something let's pray sometimes we have to pray quite a lot sometimes it happens immediately but let's pray with an anticipation that angels will be released on assignment number two praise in Acts chapter 16 Paul and Silas have been unfairly put in prison and they're sitting there and they say what are we going to do they says well there's only one thing we can do we are going to praise no, I don't, we don't, the Bible doesn't tell us what they sang because it's not really important whether it's a hymn or whether it's hill song. I believe wholeheartedly, and I've read this in the Greek, that it was Hillsong or elevation they were singing in Acts chapter 16 because that is how God moves if you sing a very popular modern song. Clearly. It's an it doesn't matter what you sing it's what comes from your heart and when you can be in a prison you can be broken you can say I can't get out of this but what you can do because you have an authority with your mouth you can sing even kumbaya works no it doesn't, sorry yes Jesus loves me yes Jesus loves If that's all you know, if just a song from your Sunday school, building up the temple. If that's all you can remember, sing it out. Sing it on the top of your voice. In the the news this morning, it tells tells me that Prince William wakes up most days and he plays ACDC to get himself going. i tell you what I play to get myself going. A song from my heart that praises Jesus, that I lift up the name of Jesus. Well, I've got to be honest with you, most of the songs are back from the 70s because those are the only ones I can remember. (laughs) I love these new songs but like what a wonderful powerful his name's something I know right but I uh, what a name he is like that but I can remember the songs from my childhood and sometimes in that desperation in the prison of my soul I lift up my voice and I praise my way out it's a key it's a key Generosity number three. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of the very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in complaining, Brexit, COVID. What does it say? Rich generosity. British generosity you have to remember three words when it comes to generosity words wealth and ways that's all you have to remember let my words be generous it doesn't cost you anything to tell someone they're wearing a nice coat it makes them feel amazing it's a generous thing Sometimes God will help you say, it's not about how much it is, but just to give something away of your wealth and your ways to live generously. To pull over, to help someone who's broken down, to, to someone who looks bewildered, to ask them, are you okay? That's a generous spirit, right? Words, wealth, and ways. Practice them every day, and it'll be a key out of your prison and your authority. And lastly, obedience. Speaking in agreement with God is powerful. Obedience opens doors. Acts chapter 8 this is a lovely picture of Philip. Uh, Philip's just getting on with his own business, and the Holy Spirit says to Philip, Go to this road and wait there, and I'll give you an instruction. Now, we are not used to this. We don't operate like this. Uh, but we have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and be obedient. Like it, remember you're a waiter, not a chef. Do you know what I mean? When the waiter comes to the table and says, uh, what, can I, what would you like? And I say, oh, could I, have, uh, could I have this steak and chips, please? To which the waiter says, mm, "Nah." I'm a vegetarian, I don't do that. I'm like, what? Yeah, I don't. No, 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 you're not the chef. Your job is just to serve and obey. Yeah? Can we stop overriding God in our situations because of our personal opinions and get to a place where we go, okay, God, this may be crazy. And it seems a bit mad, but I'll happily serve you and be obedient. Philip did not know why God gave him the instruction. He simply obeyed, and obedience opened the door to great influence. This is an extreme story, but uh, it challenged me nonetheless. Uh, A friend of my father said, he was driving along, and he he said, God, I want to be obedient. And as he was driving, he he felt God say to him, go to a certain street so he drove to the street he says go to the red door so he went to the red door God said the door's open go through the red door and go straight upstairs she didn't knock he just went straight through the red door went upstairs says go to the second bedroom open the door there's a man in bed the man looks at him he goes hello and the man says who are you he says I've got to be honest with you God's told me to come and speak to you and his mouth dropped he said Five minutes ago, I prayed, God, would you send someone to me to talk about Jesus? Now, I don't have one of those stories, as good as that. Because I usually get as far as the street and bottle it. Hello? But what if we would... I think it's a key I've got. I just haven't used it very often. Yeah? So there's four keys. Prayer. Praise, generosity and obedience. Stick them on your keyring every single day. They're yours to unlock. And of course, there's the master key. And his name is Jesus. If in doubt, get the master key out. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The ultimate authority. Sick are healed in Jesus' name. Peter and John were on the way to church. And he said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. I think Peter was going through Generosity oh, Obedience Now I'm supposed to be on the way to church Praise oh, I'm not going to do that now Prayer I could do that one Maybe I could go and pray He stopped long enough I'm like which one Which key Which key Do you know sometimes you're, you're unsure And you keep putting a key into the lock Put a key into the lock Put a key into the lock It's just not going anywhere There you go I've got a master key that unlocks it all in the name of Jesus sickness in the name of Jesus fear and doubt in the name of Jesus sadness and confusion in the name of Jesus a troubled soul in the name of Jesus a prodigal son and daughter in the name of Jesus an uncertain future in the name of Jesus am I making sense to you? come on church will you stand with me whether you're from Podsmead or Bristol or whether you're from Canesham Gloucester Online would you stand with me even if you're in your front room just stand with me now and I want you just to take your hands and say, here's something that I'm wrestling with. Here's an obstacle. Here's a, an issue. I'm asking God, will you help me with this? Maybe you feel like in prison like Paul and Silas. Maybe you feel that you are struggling. Just quietly whisper, in the name of Jesus. I give this to you in the name of Jesus. Now we're going to speak it out with an authority. I'm going to count to three. I want you to speak out loud. Podsmead, Gloucester, Canesham, Bristol, online. After three, in the name of Jesus. You ready? One, two, three. In the name of Jesus. Father, we speak your powerful name over every circumstance, over every issue. Because we believe you have given us authority and keys of the kingdom.